I'm Fleur East and welcome back to the reality of reality TV. This is the one place where we keep it real and I reveal the truth behind the screens. So let's do it. Hey, this is Bass J Morgan and I'm here to tell you all about my realities of reality TV. This week, I speak to Vass J Morgan, famously known for appearing on The Only Way is Essex, also known as TOWIE. Now, I've actually known Vass personally for many years, but we've never sat down and spoken about his experience on reality TV. So that was the first reason I needed to get him on this podcast. And secondly, I've always been intrigued to know how scripted reality TV works because I've never personally experienced that. So let me set the scene. I caught up online with Vass a week on from the death of George Floyd and just days after the Black Lives Matter protests had taken place. So it was a sensitive time, emotions were heightened, and what struck me with this chat was how open it was, how honest it was, and how real and raw it was. Just to note, this episode contains references to addiction and mental health issues. I am so, so excited to be talking to Vaz J. Morgan today. Hey. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You know what? I'm good too. It's it's a uncertain times for everyone. I'm sure everyone's feeling increasingly anxious, but we're all in this together. So that makes me feel better. Yeah, I love that. That's been my comfort as well throughout all of this. It's like everyone around the world is feeling... <laughs> the effects of this and that's like a unique situation that you can't always say that so but I'm 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 so happy to welcome you to the reality of reality tv thank you for having me yeah I wanted to do this podcast because I've had a couple of experiences on reality tv and I'm always asked the same questions and people are always curious of what actually goes on and also what the experience is like on a personal level, on a mental level, how it affects your life. So I was like, I need to talk to you because I know you personally, you've used your platform for so much good, but as well, you've just been someone that's been very honest and you've always been very outspoken. So it was very important to have someone like you on this podcast so that we actually shine a light on a lot of issues that maybe not a lot of people talk about. Thank you so much. Now, before you even went on to TOWIE, before you even stepped onto reality TV, you already had a successful blog. You were you were already kind of making moves. So what made you want to go on to TOWIE? Um, do you know what? Reality TV was never something I set out to do. I never like wanted to be famous. I never wanted to be on TV. But when the opportunity came around, I, I used that opportunity to show the world what I never had the opportunity of seeing. A black gay man on reality TV was something I never had the opportunity to see. So I thought, I have to take this opportunity. I have to bring some inclusivity and some diversity onto British TV that I never had the privilege of seeing. So for me to turn that down is not turning it down for myself, it's turning it down for every other young gay black man out there that wanted someone to look up to. So I took that opportunity immediately. And here I am today. Hmm. that's such an incredible reason to do it. I've heard so many various different reasons why people go onto reality TV shows, but that is a unique reason. So even before you stepped into the world of reality TV, before you even had the platform that you have now, you were already thinking about the greater good. What is your favourite thing about reality TV? My favourite thing is that 
it allowed me a platform to use my voice and to be heard and seen to spread good and to spread positivity and you know to talk about a lot of what's going on in the world today but also what has been going on for a long time and I've always tried to not take advantage of that platform or to exploit that platform and to use it to make people feel better you know my motto is when someone leaves my page do they leave it feeling better or worse and my objective is to always make people um, leave feeling better so it's been great that reality tv gave me that platform overnight yeah i love that talk a bit about the positive work that you've done with your platform because you've done a lot (laughs) (laughs) well so my first project was the Vast Morgan Foundation, which I launched to help educate Africa. Amazing. That was one of the first projects I worked on. And more recently, I moved into mental health because it's something that is very personal to me. I've been on my own mental health journey. You know, I'm two and a half years sober, which I forgot about. So I'm now two years, six months and six days. Congratulations. Amazing. So that's another project I launched, the I Am Enough Foundation, which is a fund that is going to help get free professional mental health resources and therapy for the black community. I love that. You're like a you're a real activist and there's so many of us that do bits to help out in our own way, but to set up your own foundations and to speak out on such a wide platform is is an amazing thing. What what why do you think it's so important for people that are in that position to to use their platform for good? because there's just so many suffering people out there that are so lost. And there's so many influences that you see that have this unobtainable level of beauty, this unimaginable level of success that doesn't exist. And it's just not fair for the mental health of these young girls who are, you know, following these girls that have, you know, lip filler at 18 and become a billionaire. That's not realistic. And I just wanted to show people that you can have a platform and use it to be good. And you can show kids that you are enough. You are beautiful just the way you are. You are important. You are valued. You don't need filler. You don't need, you know, a bigger bum. You don't need a smaller waist. You're perfect the way you are. So I think we all need to be a bit more responsible of our platforms. And I wanted to be, the, I wanted to be the change, you know, to, for there to be change, you need to set an example. And I wanted to set that example. I love that message. So what did you, what did you experience then? You know, I just didn't feel like I ever had any role models. And that really had a negative effect on me because I genuinely grew up thinking that I wasn't enough. And it was, Mm. the problem started way before social media. It wasn't, social media was like the icing on the cake, but it started from going into the classroom and not seeing anyone that looked like me, from opening textbooks and not seeing any characters that looked like me, to watching Disney and thinking I'm never going to have a happy ending because the princes and princesses don't look like me, you know? If there is anyone of any sort of colour, even white with red hair, like anyone that looks slightly different, they're the villain. They're the evil person. So that I grew up thinking I was the villain. There was something wrong with me mm-hmm. and I'm never going to have a happy ending. And then when social media became really big, it was the same thing. There was very limited access to responsible influences and responsible people that showed any sort of diversity and inclusivity. So it's basically telling me that I'm not enough and that I'm not valued. To me, I feel like it's worse than just getting punched in the face, you know, because it's 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 basically attacking my mental health throughout my whole life, which is just a slow killer. Yeah, I, I definitely connect on that level with you because I remember even growing up in school and just looking at books, like you say, and 
just seeing different stories and never ever seeing anyone that looked like me. I remember when I went into the jungle and there were so many people within the black community, friends and family that were saying, when you go into the jungle, you need to make sure your hair's braided down. You need to make sure you get some sort of weave to protect that hair. You can't go in there with your natural hair. And I remember just thinking, similar to you, I remember thinking, actually, I kind of feel like I have a responsibility because I've always like worn my hair proudly. And I think if I'm going to go onto something now that's got even bigger reach, I feel like I want to show my hair and I want to celebrate my hair. And even if it's like a talking point, and even if little kids like me are watching it and going, oh my God, she's got hair like me, mum. Look at her like in the jungle, like with this hair. Like, you know, that's just, it's a little something, but you're right, it's, it's important to to show diversity. You know, honestly, what what I love most about you and what first drew me to you is not only the support you show for others, but the way you immerse yourself in black culture and stand up for what you believe in is just so beautiful to see. You're unapologetically black, you know? You, you wear your hair proudly. You don't, you know, whiten yourself, which is what so many mm. black entertainers are forced to do. And I'm not talking about reality TV. I'm talking about your career as a musician, which is what you are. You're the most talented musician out there. And I feel like a lot of black entertainers feel the pressure to put the weave in, to straighten their hair, to talk a certain way, to not stand up for themselves in case they're called a diva, to not be passionate in case it's confused with aggression. And you don't do any of those things. You just be who you are, which is a strong, independent black woman. And you've done so well. And I think that's the first thing that made me think, wow, Fleur is really about this life. And I love it. She's she's doing such a good thing for young black girls out there who think that their hair isn't beautiful and that are told they're not enough just because they've got an Afro or so, so nice. And it's so helpful. Thank you. Let's let's delve into the realities that you've shared because speaking of representation, we need to talk about how true the representation is within reality TV. And you've shared that you're never really able to show 100% of yourself in a 40-minute episode because we're not seeing the whole picture, but then people will still base <laughs> their perceptions on you based on that little chunk that they've seen. I just feel like I am, you know, a multi-dimensional person. I'm multifaceted. I am sensitive. I'm funny. I'm caring. I'm loyal. And of course, I'm direct and I stand up for myself, but I'm not confrontational and aggressive. And I feel like during my entire time on The Only Way is Essex, I felt this intense pressure to perpetuate the black stereotype of the angry six foot two black man. Mm. You know, that's the stereotype that's been going around for years. If you watch any single soap opera of a black character, they're always the criminal, the angry person or or killed first. And I felt like that's what the viewer wanted to see. So the producers pressured me to be that person. I would turn up to scenes and I would say, oh, I don't want to walk into Lydia's store and start screaming at her because I've got to be aware that I'm a six foot two black man. I don't want to go into a scene where I'm having a fight with Gemma because I'm a six foot two black man. Mm. But it was either, you know, you play this role or you don't get airtime. And when you're in that environment, you believe that airtime is the be all and end all of life. You feel like if you're not shown on TV, what's the point of being here? You know, I was made to feel that I should be so grateful to be a, the only black person on a British reality TV where... I would go home thinking, wow, this is so amazing. I'm the only black guy on TV, but that's not something that I should feel grateful for. It's something that should be normal. Mm. I shouldn't have to walk into a filming situation and not 
look into a room of 30 people and not see anyone that looked like me. Anyone that doesn't understand that feeling, I challenge them to, you know, any white person to walk into a room of 40 black people and tell me what their emotional response would be. Because I guarantee you it would be a response of fear, of uncertainty, and mm. I'd be uncomfortable. But that's a feeling I've had my entire life. And it's a feeling that I have to live with and have to be considered normal, but it is not normal. That's that's just one of the hard realities. And I should also be able to show other sides of not just my character, but of black men in general. Black men are not just angry. They are funny. They are charming. Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of love and care to give. And that was never shown. My character was never nurtured on the only way is Essex, unfortunately. I don't feel like anyone got to see the real Vass. Mm. And people come to my page nowadays and like, oh, you're actually really funny. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> then you'd have known that a long time ago. But during my whole, you know, I joined Towie six years ago today. And during my whole time on that show, which was, you know, a main cast member for three to four years, I don't think anyone got to see the real me. Mm. What do you? What were a lot of the the preconceptions, or what were the judgments that people made based on what we saw on the show? I was always the angry bitch, basically. You know, mm. I feel like people come up to me in the street and they're like, "Oh, you're not actually a bitch." I'm like, to be honest, mm. I'm very direct, which you know, from especially from a black person, comes across as a bitch. But it's not. I just speak mm. my views and points directly. I don't have negative thoughts about other people. I wish everyone well, even people that don't like me, I wish them well. I'm not a bitchy person. And I think that's the biggest misconception about me. Mm. I'm like fascinated with the scripted reality element of it because I haven't done a show like that. So the two reality shows I've done, you're kind of just like put in a situation that I guess is produced, but then you're kind of just left to your own devices. And what happens happens. And I guess what everyone sees is, is what's edited, but there's no like real script. So how does that work? How does scripted reality work? It's similar. There isn't really a script that we get to see, but it's scripted behind the scenes. So okay. they have an idea of what their outcome of the situation they want it to be, but it's not scripted. So you turn up to set and, you know, you're given a, a small brief of the scene and you go in and you be yourself. So it's not, strongly scripted but it's influenced right yeah how do what well, the one thing that i really want to know about is especially on shows like towie when you're like walking on the street and then you like bump into someone and i've always watched it and gone so have they just bumped into the person or like how does that work like how do those things work they're staged so you just get your filming time and they get their filming time and ah you don't know that you're going to bump into someone though that's the reality so you have like a meeting with your producer and you don't know the scenes they know, but you don't know. So for us filming it, it is a natural bumping. But for the producers that have set up the scenario, it isn't. I see. So the reactions we're seeing, that's all just natural. Yeah. But it's just the situation or the location that you're set, you're set up in, that's kind of scripted or thought out before. So it's scripted from behind the scenes, but us as cast members there's no script for us so we don't know what's happening so then did you ever end up in a situation where <laughs> the camera started rolling and then you were like oh god this is cringe why am I here all the time nearly every argument I had on that show I was in that situation I'm like oh my god and I would constantly be like this would never happen in my real life like I wouldn't just bump into Gemma in the street and start screaming do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah 
But at the end of the day, it's an entertainment show and it's what the viewers, you know, tune in week and week out for and why it's been going for 25 seasons. So mm. it works, I guess. How, how have you felt like watching it back? So once you know that everybody's seen it, have you ever had a moment that you're like, oh, I wish, I wish that could have been edited differently or why was I painted in that way? So many times, but you know, you can't dwell on it because it's too late. Once it's out, it's out. You just have to put up with the, the tweets of, <laughs> on, it, on Instagram messages. <laughs> But there's so many times where I've been like, that is not how it would have happened or not how it actually did happen. And that's edited down. So, like sometimes you're sitting in the street talking for 45 minutes and that turns into one minute of a, of a scene, you know? And you're like, why did they choose that one minute? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have cringed a lot. I, I learned to stop watching it, honestly. I, I used to stop watching it back because I would cringe so hard. And I'd just be like, but the viewers truly, you know, they're very invested in the show. And that's a good thing. And it's, you know, but... I would sometimes think there's no way a viewer is going to believe that, but they do, you know? Mm, yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I've, I've seen so many things on, on reality TV. I've spoken to people that I know that have been in shows and my family are like, yeah, but she said this in that episode and she did this. And it's like, I have to constantly explain like what's led up to that moment or how, how much an edit can influence a situation or what's really going on. And they're still shocked, but then they'll still, they'll still believe it the next episode. <laughs> It's like the power of TV. We spoke about being underrepresented in reality TV, about not seeing enough black people on reality TV, period. Not seeing enough black men on reality TV, not seeing enough black gay men in reality TV. And we spoke about how that can affect your mental health. But what, what do you... Just to put it into context for people that are listening and thinking, I have no concept of why this is or why this would even be a reality. Talk a bit about why you think that is and what that stems from. I can't answer as to why it hasn't happened yet because it's a question I've asked myself for the past decade. Why isn't there more? Why aren't people doing more? You know, even when you watch The Only Way is Essex and there's all these characters who are nurtured into these big characters where you see their family members, you see their friends, you see the sensitive storylines where the mum or the grandmom comes in and sits with them. You know, I have a very big family. I've, I was never asked once if my family wanted to come and film with me. You know, I came out as a gay black man in that on that TV show, which was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life, to a room full of no one that looked like me, no one that could empathise with how being a black gay man works. And although I was very grateful for my very close friend, Lauren Pope, to, you know, be that ear and to stand with me. You know, I have two sisters. I have, you know, a big enough family. Why was I never asked to nurture my my character into a main cast member when my family was there? Why was I always Lauren's friend or Chloe's friend as a black man? I was always the spare part. And I just don't feel like that was fair. And it's not fair to now say, you know, we stand with black people because... I don't feel like anyone stood with me throughout my whole time on reality TV. I honestly don't. There's obviously some amazing people that work on that show who I did bond with. And crazily enough, they were all ethnic, which is weird enough, but there wasn't enough people in the room. Like, like I said, it's a structured reality TV show that's, that's written, but I would like to know what the writing room looks like because how can my story be written 
by someone who has no idea what walking in my shoes feels like. Yeah, that's the key. I think it's like, it's a, it's a strange situation because we want to see ourselves represented on TV. And in turn, because we don't, I think that then has an effect on people in the black community with regards to even um, auditioning for something or even applying for something. Because for example, if you see a show where there's no one else like you on the show, you're going to think that that show isn't for you. So then you're going to go, well, why am I going to apply? I haven't seen any black people on that show or I haven't, I haven't seen anyone kind of um, as a positive example in that format. So, so you'd be like, you'd be intimidated or you'd be apprehensive. You wouldn't want to apply yourself. So it's like, it's like a vicious cycle, isn't it? Well, what other guy is going to want to come and be the angry black man on a TV show? And that's the only representation that they showed. And, you know, I'm getting a bit, not emotional, but it's something I've actually never spoken about. And because you're my friend, I've just felt so like, I've almost forgotten that we're recording. You know, I've constantly thought this is something I can't speak out against because of fear of never working in TV again. With the fear of being blacklisted by ITV, being blacklisted by Line Productions because mm. saying how I truly feel, this is a fear that's been installed in me throughout my whole time. I wanted to fight more for black people to be on that show, of course. But did I want to risk my own career in TV to do that? No, because it was a fear that I'd had like to be grateful to be the only black one. But with everything that's happened this week, it's made me realise that if I don't start speaking now, who is going to speak for the person that comes after me? Yeah, going to ensure that my nephews have a space on TV should they want to explore that route in their lives. So if if risking my own career is going to help other people, then it's just something that I have to do. You know, I have to have a voice. And fortunately, during the last past week, people are actually listening to you know our voices. So there's no better time than now, and there's no better time to speak about my true feelings with than someone I trust. So yeah, that's that's how I feel. I just feel like these issues aren't new. They're being raised right now because the floor is open. Yeah. I've had so many people commenting on my social media and saying things like people are losing their career. Um, you know, you better watch out, you know, your career is going down the drain. And it's like, I've just replied saying this is bigger than my career. It's exactly what you said. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than even me and you having this conversation now It's it's the future generation. It's the people coming up after us. And there's so many people that have paved the way for us yeah. and we have to do the same. There's so many ways that we can do better. I think you've highlighted that, you know, getting people in the writing room, getting people that are working on the show um, that are diverse, that represent people from all different cultures. I think that's where it begins. But how else do you think that we can we can do better in, in particular with regards to reality TV? I think we can just be more aware of casual racism. We can show more inclusivity on cross there's a few shows you know love island has really improved with their diversity but it's still not enough like because again i doubt there's any writers in that in on that show that are diverse as they would know not to put you know a black woman on the foreground with in a situation where no one's going to pick her because unfortunately black women are not have been shown to be beautiful they've not been shown to be valued and they've not been shown to be respected across any TV show. So you have all these young white boys there thinking, I don't want to date the last black girl. And she's left to feel, again, less than. And that's something that was never considered on shows like that. So just to show a bit more consideration, a bit more thought and a bit more than an Instagram post, like actual action. Yeah, definitely. I think just having having conversations in your place of work as well. Like I've been having some uncomfortable conversations, but I just think, 
you know, if you're speaking up about it, and like you said, if you're bold enough to to show your support by posting on social media, then I think take it further. You know, there's no point in posting about it and then not actually doing something about it in reality because then nothing's actually going to change. I'm sure we've all been guilty of being in a position where you go, well, I've worked hard. I'm in a nice position. I don't want to rock the boat. Like, I'm nice. I've, I've got an opportunity and I don't want to ruin that for me. And it's hard to step outside of your own bubble, isn't it? And just not be selfish and kind of go, well, actually, I, I need to be in a position where I feel so strongly about it that I'm willing to risk my own position for, for the good of others. Well, the thing is, Flo, I think we've been told from such a young age that we should have this intense fear of using the black card. This isn't a game of cards. This isn't a game at all. It's not a card. It's us. It's our lives. We're using ourselves as an example. Our lives has been faced with this, you know, systemic racism since we were born. So to to have a fear of speaking about that is just insane. And I'm just so grateful that now there is a forum and there is a space that we can not be the moaning, complaining black person, but to actually speak about our experiences and actually have people listen. Yeah, I love that. Another reality you shared with me is about your fight to survive. And I kind of want to touch on that with regards to your defining moment on TOWIE, the moment that you you came out on such in such a public way like, tell me about that moment. What was that like? It was very difficult. It was very, very difficult because I didn't even have the conversation with my family before filming that scene. So it was basically brand new to them. No one knew, like, those emotions were even within me, you know. I showed face for so long and being, like, the happy-go-lucky guy. But to come out as a Black man on national TV, I got you know, so much support from the black community, from boys that were just like me, who felt the exact same way as me. But I had a huge backlash from the white gay community, which is weird because I said I didn't want to be gay and that gay was wrong. But that was true to my feelings back then. Obviously, now that, you know, I've learned to love myself, I'm very happy with being gay and I'm so glad I wouldn't change myself for anything. But I don't think the white gay community understood those statements and thought I had taken them back for many years. But what they don't realise is that get, being gay is still illegal in many African countries. It's very different culture to the white culture. So those feelings have been installed in me for such a long time. So talking about that on the show, again, a white, predominantly white show with a predominantly white audience was very difficult because they didn't understand me. But it moulded me into the person I am today, that scene. And I don't think I would have ever had that conversation with my family hadn't it been broadcasted on TV first. So I wouldn't take it back. Definitely wouldn't take it back. And, you know, that was one of the things I'm grateful for TOWIE for, that it gave me that platform to help young black boys. Was it you that kind of willingly wanted to do that or was it kind of suggested to you? I can't, I think it was a bit of both. I think everyone obviously knew what was going on and knew, knew the situation. And we both sort of agreed that we'd film the scene. It was kind of a mutual discussion. Like so long, I've been like craving ex acceptance and having feelings for Jasmine has now made me feel more like, okay, it's possible. Maybe I'm not gay, maybe I'm bi. Do you have genuine feelings for Jasmine or are you trying to convince yourself I don't you have know. feelings for Jasmine? That's what's confusing me. I don't know if I'm convincing myself because I'm so unhappy with the fact that I'm gay that that's what's happened. Where has this come from? You've been, like, you've been out now and very comfortable and open about it. Someone said something? Some people, some people are like born gay and they know it and they 
they embrace it and they're so happy with themselves and they're proud of it and you just know from the minute you meet them. I think I've tried to like run from that for so long. It's upsetting to see you upset about it. I just don't think I'm ever going to be happy. Honestly. Did you feel supported by the show through that? Because that's got to be a lot to deal with. Like, like you said, your family didn't even know. So then to do that on such a massive scale, I mean, that's a lot. I felt supported by like one particular, one or two particular producers, you know, but I didn't feel supported by the show. No, I don't remember any like psych chats after, like, I don't remember any, anyone holding my hand through that. After that scene, you know, later on, my mental health deteriorated. I ended up spending four months in rehab some years later and fighting addiction. And I just don't remember anyone. I would have loved to have my hand held Mm. during that period. There's a colleague on my show and who's also a close friend who's also battled with addiction and quite publicly. And I just feel like he's had the, you know, the luxury of not only the network and the production company and the whole entire nation holding his hand through that, he had that support. And I would have just loved to have had one person hold my hand through through something as big as coming out on TV as a black gay man and tell, and tell me that that's all right. I'd have loved to have walked into a room with a psych from the network who looked like me, who understood me. You know, it's not hard to find a black therapist. Mm. And that support just didn't come to me. I felt like they got their scene and that was it. Off to the world I go, you know, out to the wolves. Go look after the backlash yourself. Go deal with your family yourself. Mm. Go deal with everything yourself. Thanks for the scene. Thanks for the viewers. Goodbye. Mm. Well, exactly. And there's there's a responsibility. There's a duty by the shows. I mean, it's like, yeah, we get that it's it's an entertainment show, but it is reality and it's real people's lives. There's been so much, there's been a thread about that, I think, just through these conversations that I've had in this podcast of, you know, kind of that detachment from the person that you're actually putting on that platform and realising that, okay, once the camera's shut off, you go home, but that person has to deal with the backlash and the after effects of that moment. Exactly. And I just don't think a lot of duty of care is put into place for those situations. It is a big fight to survive in that environment. And that's why we don't speak up because... Like I said, we are told to be grateful to be the one black person there. We're we're told to be grateful to be the token. And in turn, all that does is turn you against other black people. Instead of thinking, yeah, this is my my brother, this is my sister, we're told that's our competitor. And not one point of reality TV does white people get pitted against each other. So I just think in the reality space where it's even more limited black people, I I, I don't want to like speak on fact but you know I can say like in my era before Love Island came along I was maybe one of two and so everything I felt like I was competing and I was the only one and I had to do more to be better to be louder to be stronger to like be more successful just to stick around just to work just to make money Hmm. Do you know, it's so interesting that you've um, touched on that. I'm so glad that you did because it just reminded me of a moment when I was auditioning on X Factor. And at the time, I didn't even question it. I remember when I was at the boot camp stage and I'd like struggled my way through so many of my auditions. Like I felt like I was fighting so hard. Like I'd been asked to sing multiple songs and so many things that weren't shown um, in my edit. And I remember sitting watching another category um, at boot camp before I'd auditioned. And I remember seeing this girl 
And she was like similar to me in our look. So she was mixed race, curly hair. She had an amazing voice. If I'm completely honest with myself, she was a much better singer than me, hands down. Like vocally, she was incredible. And I remember watching and going, oh no. And I instantly felt threatened. And I was like, there's another mixed race girl with curly hair. And I was like, it's her or me. And that's just me being honest. I literally sat there and went, it's her or me. And if she gets through now, then I need to be worried. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even look at the rest of the competition. I looked at her. It's just, and it's crazy. And I never even thought that that was a, that was weird or that was strange. I thought that that was just natural for me to feel that. I've been up for shows like multiple times and I haven't got the show. And then I've watched the season of that show and I've seen like a black person. I'm like, okay, that's why I didn't get it. And that has been a normalised thought in my head for like the past 10 years. Like that's just normal, that you can't have more than one. <laughs> I'm sure there's people that my year when I got through that that looked at me and thought, ah, okay, so she's that's gone right. to the final. Exactly, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's such a shame. It's such a shame that that is, that is a normal thought in both of our heads. But again, that further just shows that we're not living in a, like our own little weird bubble. This is a reality for so many of us. And I remember in that in that defining moment when you came out on Tawi, you said that like, this literally struck a chord with me when you said, I just want a normal life. Like that's all I want. I just want a normal life. Do you think you now have that? Do you think you'll ever have that? I feel like now we can define what normal is. And I have a normal life to my definition of normal. I have a family that loves me and now accepts me. I have a great job and amazing friends. And to me, that's as normal as it's ever going to get. Normal had been painted to me as white, privileged, married to a woman with three kids and, you know, a nice, stable job. But that isn't normal for everyone. And I think it's now important to show the message that normal is what you consider to be normal to you. It's not what the system has told you is normal. And it took me a long time to learn that. And it took me a lot, a long journey to self-love and self-acceptance to realise that I am normal just the way I am oh I absolutely love that I think I'm, I'm hoping that us speaking out more people having the conversation these issues being highlighted will only help to progress what we're seeing on reality tv and on shows and in the media because there's such a responsibility and that's that's going to play a huge part in the fight overall so I hope that in years to come when we're having this conversation or we can even look back on this conversation and go wow how different things were then like look at look at it now look at look at reality tv now and look at all the different stories and all the different journeys we're seeing represented on reality tv that's what i that's what i really hope for i want to ask you though after your experiences on reality tv so you didn't only do tower you did celebs go dating as well through all of that what now is real to you um wow it's a difficult question um What's real to me is is myself, you know? It's knowing that I'm enough and it's knowing that I can be unapologetically myself, not just on camera, but off camera, and to keep that same energy when the cameras stop rolling. And that people, not not everyone's bad, that's real to me as well. Mm. 
thank you so much for for talking to me. It's been so refreshing. I feel like, like you said, I even forgot we were doing this. <laughs> it was just nice to have a conversation and just to hear an honest point of view. And I think that through this conversation, we're going to shine a light on so many different issues. I think people will just be able to relate to you as a person, forget what color you are, forget your your walk of life, and hopefully will will help shift a mindset out there. And help just 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 point out a few issues that maybe people haven't even realized. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful to you for being so open with me. And thank you so much for inviting me and for talking to me and for taking the time to listen to me and for relating to me and for also just being an amazing woman. And thank you to everyone that's listening. Thank you for taking your time out of your day to hear Fleur and I have a little conversation. And I hope everyone takes a one thing away from this is that you are beautiful you are special you are valued and that you are enough oh hallelujah yes i felt so empowered after that chat and it got quite emotional actually what surprised me about that was the things that i realized about myself and my own personal experience i had revelations about things that i'd never spoken about before and it was really powerful because that conversation is bigger than this podcast. We touched on issues that I didn't think we would ever cover. If you love this episode, tell social media using the hashtag reality of reality TV. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate and review the show. Wherever you're listening, click that subscribe button and you'll get new fresh episodes direct in your feed as soon as they're released. You can catch me in the meantime on Hits Radio Breakfast every morning from 6 and join me for more realities every Tuesday. In the next episode, I speak to my homeboy, JB Gill from JLS. A couple of weeks later, she's on The X Factor, obviously, yeah. as you do. And I saw her and I went, I'm so, so <laughs> sorry. She must have thought I was so rude. See you then.